Hello, and welcome to another episode of Broadening the Narrative. This is a podcast where I talk to people who are broadening the narrative I was taught. The music for season three is titled Love Is by Bandy. Here at the beginning, I wanted to provide a warning for some graphic language, for references to suicide, suicidal ideation, and for language and references to surgery that could be triggering to people who are intersex. I also want to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed Broadening the Narrative. If you're listening and haven't already, you can head to Apple Podcasts to rate and review too. Your engagement helps with visibility, so each rating and review really does matter. You can find Broadening the Narrative on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I love connecting with all of you on social media. I'm your host, Nikki Pappas. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm so glad you're here. You know, we're all taught that this is a gender dysphoria that we have. That mm-hmm. There's obviously different types of gender dysphoria, but the type that that I had to come to terms with personally was that I was okay, but the rest of the world wasn't. So with the help of my colleague, Dr. Judy Herring, we came up with the word cultural dysphoria. And then I built on that with my blogs and stuff. This isn't my dysphoria. This is cultural dysphoria. On today's episode of Broadening the Narrative, I am joined by gender and intersex activist and LGBTQIA plus visionary, Mix Anunnaki Ray Marquez. Anunnaki is a first year Master of Divinity student at Meadville Lombard Theological School, learning about all the world religions. I was first introduced to Anunnaki's work through a workshop with Transmission Ministry Collective. So I reached out to Anunnaki afterwards about being a guest here on season three. So I'm excited for our conversation today and thank you for coming onto the show. To start us off, can you just share anything about yourself and your background that you think would be beneficial for setting a foundation? Um, I don't usually like outing my age, but it does help um, people understand. I was born in 1967 with a intersex variation that wasn't even called intersex at that time. So I would have been diagnosed as Q56.0 hermaphroditism. Um, my mom um, wanted me to be Anthony. Um, they decided it would be best to raise me a girl. And um, I truly believe that the invention of sex erased my actual true sex intersex. Um, so I even share in my TED talk that I've always felt like an alien visitor. Um, it, that feeling truly started at a real young age, four years old. And the truth of the matter is due to the therapy that I received to be taught to be a girl, I had my first thoughts of suicide at four. Um, so coming out as an activist in was huge for me. So I've helped um, to evolve different language to help include intersex a little bit better that we can go into and um, as we talk. Um, but that's pretty much in a nutshell. I, I was not allowed to exist until the last 6.5 years of my life. So, and that, so I'm 50, 52, or am I 53? I don't even know my own age. <laughs> See, I try to, I try to deny my own age because I feel about 19, 20. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that background and being vulnerable in, in sharing that. And so, yeah, if we could dig into some of those terms and definitions, some things that you've already said, and then what you might bring up in the conversation to kind of give people an idea of uh, what you're talking about to make sure everyone's on the same page. Okay. 
Well, and I forgot to share my pronouns. I am he, they, and so that might be helpful. One, one of the first things I like to teach people is the word endosex. Um, we've all been taught about cisgender. You know, when we agree with our birth assignment, we're okay with our assignment, and then transgender when we go against our assignment. Um, endosex is a way to help people understand the difference between physiology of typical male, typical female, endosex male, endosex female, and all the variations in between, which would be intersex variations. And then I like to offer the word alter sex. All of us, no matter who we are, can alter our sex to become what we need to be. So like a male to female could alter their sex surgically and they become what they say they are. They, they're valid, everybody's valid. Um, the sad thing with intersex kids is we're having these surgeries without our consent. Um, sometimes they're medically necessary, but the vast majority of the time they are all cosmetic and not medically necessary. Um, so those words are very important. That way people can now include, include us intersex people in the conversations. Just by saying cisgender and heterosexual, that doesn't tell me if the person's intersex because there are cisgender intersex people. So I hope that helps. Yes, it is very helpful. Thank you for that. Well, you've kind of already hit on this, but if you wouldn't mind diving into it a little more, what is the narrative you were taught about gender while you were growing up? Even though I didn't truly understand it until probably the last seven years of my life because of the way society brainwashes all of us, I was taught that our sex traits are conflated and the same as our gender identity. That male, endosex male sex traits always go with male, man, man, and endosex female sex traits always go with woman. And there was nothing in between and everything in between. Actually, there was something in between. And all those things in between were either a mental disorder or a physical diagnosis of intersex. So everything in between was being pathologized either by the medical complex or psychiatry. So that I learned real fast um, that I could not exist. Um, obviously, um, one of the things um, people need to know is I'm one of the few, like Hita Valoria, that were not forced into sex reassigning surgeries as a young non-consenting child. My body and physiology is whole. However, like Sharon Preves shares, she's a author in the book, Intersex and the Contested Self. She shares about psychic mutilation. It's something that most intersex activists don't even talk about because we're so busy trying to stop genital mutilation. But psychic mutilation is when you are assigned wrong. And in my case, surviving conversion therapy, I'm surviving all sorts of interventions to reinforce that wrong birth assignment as a girl. Um, so, um, so I was taught at a I, I truly had been convinced that I had to perform as this girl in order to survive and to be accepted and to be loved. And this goes all the way from the way the counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, the stress of my family. And then you compound that with a piece of paper called a birth certificate that says so. I, so I hope that answers all that. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. And yeah, so at such an early age and then throughout your childhood and into your adolescence, 
based on that narrative you were hearing, what did you believe about yourself specifically based on that narrative about gender? That I had to be a tomboy or um, mm-hmm. I was even being told at the age of 13, even before I understood sexual orientation, you know, at that time I was coming to school, appearing a girl and everybody had already figured out my sexual orientation had to be a butch lesbian. They had it all figured out so much so that it even evolved into my first sex experience being with another girl. And I quickly realized this isn't, I'm definitely not supposed to be with women. Um, but um, I, I never could evolve um, with being who I am today because it was never given as an option. Um, non-binary people were never heard of. You had Boy George that was doing extravagant things, but he never called himself non-binary. You had Pete Burns in the 80s calling himself he, him, but doing all these beautiful feminine, womanly things, being married to a woman. So, you know, he obviously couldn't be gay if he was with a woman. Maybe he was bisexual, but we don't know. Maybe it is out there, who knows? But I guess what I'm trying to tell you is it was just always untouchable. Mm. Um, the things that I was seeing on MTV was untouchable. It was like a fantasy of mine to be a Pete Burns or to be an Adamant or to be a Boy George. I saw it. I saw what I was. I saw what I wanted to relate to and become, but it was untouchable because I had to live the role of a girl. And by 15 years old, they were already controlling all my hormones with, with more estrogen with more progesterone um, normalizing all that that um womanliness that all the what they that all those female sex traits um some people have shared that i have transitioned twice first to a woman by night by 1995 and then again to who you see now as a man um, I'm not so sure I'm comfortable with that, but at the same time, it does describe what happened to me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, when did things change for you and how did that change come about with all of this as the backdrop? To be honest, um, in 2014, I had became profoundly disabled um, over decades of um, let me turn this off. Oh, you're fine. I was raised so conservatively as a Catholic, and I'm not Catholic now. I'm very ominous. I'm very, very spiritually fluid. But nevertheless, I didn't even know that trans men existed until 2014. Mm-hmm. I was 46 years old when I even discovered that I could exist. Mm-hmm. And it actually happened with my exploration into porn pornography and there was buck angel i'm standing there uh, this 100 passable man with all these muscles and he was the man with the pussy he was you know very to this day he's very controversial mm-hmm. and it was my first wake-up call that what i had been told about the conflation of sex traits with gender was not true and if this could be a man with the intersex traits i could be a man And that little boy that was shoved into the closet at three and four came out and I had no coping skills. I was literally calling 
the Trevor Project, I was that suicidal and they help teens. And I'm like, I'm not a teen, I'm 46, but I'm ready to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I um, um, found enough people um, to help keep me from literally just self-destructing because because of my own inner transphobia at that time that I had to deal with and cope with in order to exist and to accept that, that I'd been lied to and that the world had been lied to and to try to figure out, do I truly have gender dysphoria? Do I truly need surgeries? Am I going to go be okay without surgeries? How far am I going to go? Um, but, um, you know, you're taught that 46XX is an endosex chromosomes to be a woman or a female. And I'm 46XX. You know, so you're like, can I even exist? And then you find out that there's 46XX intersex men that walked before you and you start realizing, wait a minute. Um, you know, you start feeling really deceived. And then God forbid, I find out that a lot of these people are surviving, not even whole. They've had all these non-consenting surgeries and have been amputated or received vaginal plasties against their will as children. And they're, and they, even if they had um, wanted to be the assignment that they were given, they still would want an intersex body. And I think that's what really stopped me in my tracks. Because I'm like, wait a minute, what did I hear? It was the opposite of what transgender people were saying. They were saying, like Tiger DeVore was saying, nobody is, cha- nobody, nobody is shameful in the interface project. Mm-hmm. And it finally hit me. Wait a minute. I don't have to have all these surgeries to exist. I could dress the part. I could do the more testosterone to change the the features and naked between me and my husband, we're going to see a hermaphrodite. But the minute I walk out the door, we're going to be a man. And I could become an intersex man and the two would not match Mm -hmm. and the world would have to be okay with it. Yeah. And you talked about this in the TMC workshop a little, and we're uh, mentioning it about being in a wheelchair even. Um, could you talk about that and what that impact had on you? I, um, by 2014, I became so disabled. I wasn't even denied my disability. Um, and you know, you're sick when that happens. And I sound like I'm just repeating my TED talk, but it's the truth. Everybody's, everybody is denied. And um, I was, we had a, a hospital bed in the front room in order to get me out of the bedroom in order to even be with the family because of my dysautonomia and my blood pressure and my heart rate and my problems, all sorts of things were happening. I had multi-system organ problems um, and I was headed towards palliative care and I started realizing through the Muscular Dystrophy Association, I have a neuromuscular condition known as mitochondrial myopathy. And to make a long story short, I started educating myself being that I was a part of a lot of mitochondrial disease groups. And I discovered that there was some MDA people, Muscular Dystrophy Association people that were assigned women or girls, they were assigned girls as babies, that ended up with these neuromuscular conditions and they had started injecting more testosterone in order to help themselves. 
And here I was blocking it. Mm -hmm. I'm taking all these things to appear a woman. I'm taking more female hormones. I'm taking um, testosterone blockers. I'm becoming more and more and more sick with this neuromuscular disease. And here are these people coming out of wheelchairs, injecting more testosterone. Some mm -hmm. of them legally transitioning, changing their name to, man, to a man's name, to a man's existence. And one of them didn't even, they, they still go by she, her, but they look extremely masculine because testosterone is very powerful. So I realized at that point between Buck Angel, between all the 80s people, Pete Burns, you know, um, Boy George, everybody, I started to, this whole circle went complete and I'm like, wait a minute, I can exist. Mm -hmm. um, there's no reason why I need to be um, so miserable. So I decided to emancipate my true gender. And I say emancipate because it was literally taken from me. I will never know how hot, tall I would have been. They stunted my growth. I will never know what I naturally would have looked like before you if they'd left me alone. I would assume in all honesty that I would have been more womanly appearing. Um, and that's where I have a lot of intersectionality with trans men. I want to inject more testosterone because I want the male man type features. Um, um, however, but I don't, I don't need the genital surgeries or, or even top surgery. Thankfully, I don't have to wear an uncomfortable binder. I definitely respect the choice for anybody to elect for top surgery if they, they want to appear a man and they have breasts. I, thankfully, I don't have to deal with that. Um, actually, living as a woman, I had to stuff my bra. <laughs> so um, so ne nevertheless, we're getting into the weeds of things. My intersectionality with, with transgender people is a very confusing one unless people have enough time to stop and listen and to listen with care. I actually help an awful lot of trans women, ironically, more living as a man than I ever could imagine. Um, because just like me, they are often dropped to zero testosterone. And even if without a neuromuscular condition, if they are on testosterone blockers for too long, can become very sick. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of their doctors don't tell them, hey, you might at some point have to elect to, for gonadectomy or whatever the proper word is, but to remove the testicles in order to get rid of that testosterone because we were not meant to be on testosterone blockers for long term. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why um, the doctors are lazy enough to drop people to a zero testosterone that are wanting to live as women, because that's not a female's testosterone level. Right. Um, so I often tell them, you know, you need some testosterone for your bones, for your mental health, um, definitely for your sex health, if you want to keep your penis, and you could live as a 100% passable woman, and not have to have genital surgery unless you have to. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many trans women I've helped. Um, and that's the irony, because my hormones are not at all a female's hormones anymore. But because of that nightmare that I survived, I always find it just kind of sad um, that it that an intersex person would uncover even their being violated. Yeah. Yeah. So with all of that, 
what do you believe and teach about gender now in your work? First of all, that we are all valid in however we determine who we are and say to the world. That's the first thing that I think is the most important. The second thing I teach is that gender is in your brain and in your heart. And intersex traits and intersex traits are your physiology. It's your chromosomes, your hormones, your genitals, your reproductive system. To me, they are two very separate things. And one of the things I like to tell people is sometimes we want them to match male, man, female, woman, and we're going to need surgeries if we don't match. And sometimes we are absolutely okay not matching and that it is very important that we listen with care to each other. And if somebody doesn't want surgery, that doesn't mean they're not trans. And if they do want surgery, it doesn't mean they are trans, that we need to stop and listen to each other because there's a lot of intersex people that have been surgically violated that are going against their birth assignment, being called transgender right now, and it's hurting these people. They have literally been amputated. Parts of their body have been removed against their consent. And they are living against their birth assignment, being called transgender. And that's extremely hurtful. Mm. Um, I do not have a problem saying I'm intersex with trans intersectionality. Um, I have no problem with it. Um, but I, I, I personally know violated intersex people that are very hurt by people around us always deciding for us who Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I like to, again, I've already shared this. What I like to also share is that no body is shameful. I think that also can help trans people. Um, You know, we're all taught that this is a gender dysphoria that we have, that Mm -hmm. there's obviously different types of gender dysphoria, but the type that that I had to come to terms with personally was that I was okay, but the rest of the world wasn't. Mm -hmm. So with the help of my colleague, Dr. Judy Herring, we came up with the word cultural dysphoria. And then Mm -hmm. I built on that with my blogs and stuff. This isn't my dysphoria. This Mm -hmm. is cultural dysphoria. If you have a problem with my hermaphrodite being, being a man, and I am bringing back the word hermaphrodite with Hita valoria and pigeon pagonus and many others, because for us, it does describe our physiology. Mm-hmm. However, I want to put a full stop to calling all intersex people hermaphrodite, because it is going to be offensive to some. It is going to be a slur to some, because if you are a 46, for example, this would be why you want to, want to just indiscriminately say that word, a 46 X why person with complete androgen insensitivity is going to be born appearing an endosex female. Mm -hmm. They won't even know typically until the the age of menses when their period doesn't come. And then the doctors check, oh my goodness, you have XY chromosomes, you have a blind vagina, you don't have a uterus, you actually have testicles, they may or may not need to be removed. A lot of people are saying they don't need to be removed, but they think they do because of cancer risk. But to make a long story short, this is a person that appears 
a woman now to the world. They're not going to be wanting to be called a hermaphrodite. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is very controversial that this has happened really, I would say, in just the last two years that some of us in the intersex community are reclaiming that word. Hmm. So. Yeah. I hope I, so, hope I get into the weeds too much, but no, no, that was, that was really helpful. And even just the reclaiming language. And when you said something about people determining for you, so for you to be on this journey, determining for yourself and helping other people determine for themselves, um, their gender identity, how has that impacted how you see yourself being able to determine that for yourself? Like I said, for the first time, I could actually exist. I could mm-hmm. be I could be comfortable naked in front of the mirror for the first time ever in my life. Yeah. Um, and just like a trans man, as the masculine features started to bloom with the injecting of testosterone, I became I was for the first time ever in my life. I was actually able to love myself. I remember one gender counselor saying that that when you see all these transgender people taking selfies every five seconds, that it's not narcissism. It's actually a good sign that for the first time ever, they want to look at themselves. Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I, I, I couldn't even look in a mirror. Um, I, I went from being hyper womanly to doing everything, my hair, my makeup, everything. So obviously I was looking in mirrors a lot during part of my life to at the last part of my life before I discovered all these things, mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't even look in a mirror. Mm. Um, the only time I could exist is if I was sleeping and in a, in a dream state. I've never dreamt as a woman, even as a child. Not one dream was I ever a woman or a girl. Wow. And I, ironically, as I got sicker and sicker and sicker with my physical illness, Ironically, I was sleeping up to 16 hours a day. I had a clinical diagnosis of narcolepsy with the latency, sleep test, everything. Clinical diagnosis, uh, I couldn't wake up. And I now, that mental state, now that I can see this, if the only time I can be myself is in a state of sleep, well, of course I wouldn't want to wake up. Yeah, I now can see that. So there was more than just physical sickness to my escaping to sleep for 16 hours a day. Um, so there's, there's just so much that we do not understand about the physical and the mental. And one of the things my friend, Dr. Judy Herring shares in Stories of Intersex and Faith, another documentary we're both in with Megan DeFranza, Leanne Simmons, and all sorts of people, is that it is, Dr. Judy Herring says, it is lazy medicine calling these just sex hormones. Hmm. These hormones affect every cell in our bodies from our head to our toes (sighs) because of of hormone receptors and things that I don't even understand, things that even the best endocrinologists don't understand. Hmm. And that it, and I'll repeat, it is lazy medicine just calling these sex hormones. I cannot even explain, even my endocrinologist at Emory to this day cannot explain why I am doing better. 
there's no medical journal. I am what they call an experiment of one. And I know there's a few other people out there. There's a, a um, an intersex trans guy in Mexico. I can't share, reveal their name, but they are very similar to me. They came to me and shocked me because um, their story is almost exactly like mine. And they too are physically coming to health by injecting testosterone. Um, so there's more to being trans than what meets the eye. And I know darn well that any transgender person that studies anything about physiology can put an explanation point on that. I cannot tell you how many times I've been told um, by trans women that the testosterone was poisoning them. Hmm. And when they finally blocked it and they started getting hormones that they needed, they felt better. Um, so it only stands to reason that, that even with an intersex person, once you are embracing that true identity and that true physiology, uh, however it's defined in the future, because medicine is miserably failing, um, it's all going to make sense. Well, of course, um, this isn't a mental illness. Of course, this isn't a disorder. This truly is our sex. This truly is our gender identity. And guess what, people? A woman can want her penis, and a man can want her vagina, want his vagina and there are people that truly do need to get on that surgery table in order to be comfortable in their own skin and everybody can get along um mm -hmm. boy would that be an amazing utopia that doesn't exist mm. yeah <laughs> yeah well even um the word that you used of embracing so it's like as you've embraced yourself and have helped others embrace themselves I was just curious, when did you know you wanted to be a gender and intersex activist and LGBTQIA plus visionary? I, ironically, before I even met her, this, it's just crazy, all the, I, the serendipity, what I'd like to call God incidents. Um, when I first came out of the closet, I was suicidal. It guided me to the Trevor Project, which guided me to a man named John from the Unitarian Universalist Church at Buckman Bridge Unitarian Universalist Church in Florida. To make a long story short, he helped me and my husband come to terms with the fact that I could live a man and the sky isn't going to fall and we could appear a gay couple and everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. To make another long story short, I'm kicked out of the Catholic Church because I went against my birth assignment. Mm -hmm. We go to this UU church and everybody keeps on saying, you have to meet Dr. Judy Herring. And as a violated intersex person, I'm like, I'm not meeting no freaking doctor. You got to be kidding. I want nothing to do with doctors. Doctors have fired me for not being patient compliant. Um, I've had nothing but grief um, with doctors and they were just persistent. She did a TED talk called Genderbound. You have, it's all about intersex people. You have to talk to her. Um, finally, I, gave, I submitted one time after um, we had um, fellowship, our service, whatever we call it at UU, and I introduced myself to her, and I was rather rude. I'm like, I'm an intersex survivor, and everybody's telling me to meet you, and I don't like doctors. Hmm. She started to cry, and um, she, I could tell in, at that time, I had not listened to her TED Talk Genderbound yet. 
and she understood how some of us had been physically and psychologically violated. Right. And boy, did I feel like a, an asshole because I made her cry and he, she, she revealed herself to be a true ally. I would then later listen to her TED talk and she's speaking of all these friends that I've cre created. She's talking about Tiger DeVore, Pigeon Pagonas, um, Hida Valoria and so many others. And I'm like, oh my God, this really is the real thing. She, there really is a doctor out there that's not a, not a, a, a terrible person. Mm. Um, and as I learned more about what had happened to Pigeon Pagonas with how they'd been horrifically violated and how Tiger DeVore was on 30 some surgeries now correcting the mistakes that surgeons made when he never needed surgery. And it, it was just every, my whole, and then to make another long story short, um, Buck Angel himself, when I wrote a suicide letter, he responded to me saying, please don't kill yourself. Help mm -hmm. me change this world. So you have all this stuff, this whole full circle going, completing. And you have a woman that somehow created a TED talk in a very conservative Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, about intersex people. Image you are projecting. Instead of the humans you are protecting. It's deadly. If even one adult becomes accepting. It lessens the presence of suicidal thoughts of these adolescents. You're putting people on the streets and trying to flex about it. This type of evil is deceiving and I'm vexed about it. It shuns believers and I need for you to recognize it. True love is healing and I plead for you to expedite it. Realigning and realizing the silver lining. Never hypnotizing or weaponizing with false idols. Deeply vital. We need revival to break the cycles and unite our minds over what's inside and make Love is patient, love is kind. Prunes of fear keeps me in mind. Never fails. Mm. I guess in a nutshell, because I was just so outraged with what had happened to me and what had happened to so many others, and then just blatantly being lied to by learning about transgender people, um, I couldn't, nothing, nothing would keep me silent. And I did my first talk. Um, with Buckman Bridge Unitarian Universalist Church with um, Judy Herring. It's very raw. It's very non-professional, but it is on YouTube. And um, I came out. I came out to a hundred some people. And it was just kind of funny because even after educating with the proper terminology that I had learned um, through the intersex community teaching me, I would still hear on social media as people, new, new friends were coming just by the droves mm -hmm. from this UU. I've, I'm accepting all these friend requests and on their walls. You're not going to believe it. I met somebody with two genders. And I'm like, that's not what I said. I'm not two genders. I'm one gender. I am man. I am intersex. Again, they're conflating the two. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that's when I realized that the biggest problem that even I had in erasing my existence by listening to these lies and the biggest problem that our world has to this day is that we cannot stop conflating sex traits with gender mm -hmm. identity. Um, to this day, people assume I'm non-binary. I'm non-conforming because I don't want surgery, but I'm not non-binary because I'm intersex. That only some intersex people are non-binary. And it's that conflation that makes people say that. Um, so 
that I do truly believe is at the root of, of even the cause that we still have these non-consenting cosmetic medically unnecessary surgeries yeah. is because this baby is born. They don't know what box to cram it into. Mm-hmm. And the doctors think we're going to do this physically. Mm-hmm. We're going to make these genitals appear male or female because of chromosomes, because of con- genital configurations, because of predisposed notions that this amazing phallus or penis has to only belong to boys. Mm-hmm. And that if it's too small, we're, we're, that definitely must be a girl. And all these lies right. that, that, thank God, transgender people have proven are wrong. And, and I love the non-binary movement and the non-conforming movement because it's teaching everybody that genitals don't decide these things. Mm-hmm. It's such a blessing to the planet. Um, it's, it's huge for me. I created a beyond the binary gender nonconformist group. Now we have many administrators and all sorts of people helping out because it just, it started to grow because it was literally attracting any nonconformist, any non-binary of any type. So that meant intersex, endosex, every sexual orientation under the sun, every gender identity under the sun. And I think honest to God, we have a, a pinned post in that group. And I think we're up to 97 ways we could describe our gender identity. And, and I can't, I could already hear the haters saying, well, obviously you're all mentally ill. No, this is not a mental illness. <laughs> we are all awakening to the fact that we have been lied to. Right. Um, well, thank you for sharing that backstory and how you met. Uh, is it Dr. Judy Herring? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that her? Yeah. And then listening to her TED talk. Um, yeah. Is that how then your TED talk came about? Because you have a TED talk called born intersex. We are human. So yeah. Is that your connection to being able to get onto that stage and then sort of be propelled into this uh, sort of onto a national platform? She definitely um, paved the road to helping such a conservative state and conservative city um, warm up to the idea of something as queer as me being on stage. Absolutely. However, that would not have been enough. Um, what, what helped um, TED Talk Jacksonville pick me is that I was getting an intersex birth certificate and I had fought 15 months. I couldn't even get a lawyer to help me. It was that controversial. Um, and thankfully, um, Sarah Kelly Keenan um, had um, legal, um, um, what's the word, experience um, writing things. Um, I can't remember if they were a paralegal or what. I don't want to say things wrong. But they had received the first intersex birth certificate in New York City and soon followed Hita Valoria. And due to Sarah Kelly Keenan being a dear friend of mine, I received that legal counsel from this person thank god because i could not for the life of me i couldn't even get lgbt lawyers to help me and i realized real fast because of the conflation of sex traits with with sex that i couldn't find a lawyer that would stop doing that and in order to fight for my birth certificate with my mri and my cat scans and my hormones and all the proof that my physiology really was intersex, that I had to 
create an argument for Colorado that my sex doesn't match my gender, but my birth certificate as female is wrong. And to somehow make that make sense. So I had um, um, all, all sorts of um, people involved. I even had the board, the Catholic Board of Ethics at St. Vincent's Hospital involved. I met with a priest with my doctor, my primary care doctor at that time. And at, just because of common sense and logistics, the priest says, well, I, obviously this is your sex. And they wrote everything out after having an MRI and everything, because you can't just say you're intersex. It's not something you can just say. And they wrote out everything. And I went to the court there in Florida and got a court order for Colorado to change my female, my wrong female birth certificate to intersex. And then I'm going to tell you, when I showed up at the magistrate, magistrate at Florida, I'm like, oh, my God. I am in a Southern Eastern Florida court. This is never going to happen. And thank God this woman was, was so logical, almost to the point of no emotion. That made me just, I'm sweating. My hands are sweating. I'm just like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Because without that, without that letter to Colorado, I can't even prove that what I'm saying is true. And she said something as similar to the priest from the board of ethics. Well, this is the only logical explanation. Your, your body is this, and I'm not going to give all sorts of explicit detail here, but I am a mix of all sorts of traits. And, um, and then when Colorado received that, then it had to go to their litigation. Mm-hmm. And then my hands were tied. I wasn't allowed to be a part of that litigation. And thankfully, September 17th, 2018, not even a month and a half before my TED talk, I received the birth certificate and the president, not the president, the governor of Colorado signs my um, birth certificate. And I am proud that it was during the Trump administration because to this, well, thanks to um, the ex passport I can now get a ex passport but it still won't match my birth certificate it's not intersex um but I couldn't even travel I couldn't even get a passport with my intersex birth certificate until recently yeah. and so and that's very controversial because is does x truly match intersex mm-hmm. x is for non-binary so I still feel like it's not represented I still feel that I would need an intersex passport to match my intersex birth certificate. Um, but, you know, when it all comes down, boils down to, to all this legal documentation that everybody has, to be honest, I wish it would all disappear. Mm-hmm. I wish all birth certificates would disappear. Um, it, but the truth of the matter is until we can stop chopping on the bodies of these innocent babies, it does matter mm-hmm. because we're all supposedly supposed to conform to these heteronormative ideas and these binary ideas that only male, men, women, females can exist. And I truly believe that if we were to stop all this documentation at this point, it would not be a good day for intersex people. So I do believe that these intersex birth certificates, as long as they are not a forced mandate, 
are very important. It's a very loud and clear message out to this world that the physiology that we are born with does make a difference and that we need to pause and stop until this child has a voice, regardless of if they're endosex or intersex, and can say, hey, wait a minute, this is my true gender identity and genitals won't, and chromosomes won't have nothing to do with anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go a little out of order on these two questions. Cause I think what you're saying would lead into uh, what I had sent as question 12. So in the, re- in the workshop that I referenced earlier, you read a post from the queer advocate where the question was asked, why are so many people against trans kids getting gender affirming care yet in complete support of intersex kids getting non-consensual quote normalizing surgeries? It just shows that it's never been about the child's best interests. Rather, it is about upholding binary, cisnormative and heteronormative ideals. So uh, yeah, why are so many people against trans kids getting gender affirming care? And like, yeah, can you just talk about that post and, and what was being addressed? Before I get in answer that, I want to first say that I believe that self-determination for both intersex kids assigned wrong and intersex kids assigned wrong is a human right. That's the first thing I want to say. The next thing I want to say, it scares people when you've been taught that male Indosex male configurations have to always be a boys Mm -hmm. and indosex female configurations always have to be a girl. And then you have these experts literally called to figure out the gender identity of an intersex kids because they, they have it all figured out and they have it all figured out wrong. Um, You have a lot of ego there. They don't want to be wrong. Um, You have the invention of sex in the late 1800s, literally creating just this binary that conflates the two and everything else being a mental illness or a disorder. And the reason why is simple. They do not want to admit they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's not simple. Nothing's simple. So I shouldn't have said that. It's not that it's that simple, but, um, you know, Intersex kids should never be medically changed against their will. You know, that's common sense. I've never educated any group of people, no matter how fanatically Christian or conservative they were, no matter how queer they were and liberal they were, I have never left an audience to this day that said, yes, these kids should be operated on. Mm -hmm. So society knows it's wrong. So people in power and control are clearly the ones that are dictating this. Because if it was up to society, it would have stopped by now. And as for trans kids, I think it's just a matter of just educating about this and deciding what is going to be the age of consent. What, how old does a child have to be when they know the consequences of permanent changes on their body? And are they going to be okay? And is and with these decisions and informed consent is a very sticky, tricky thing because obviously cosmetically made genitals, it's not going to be the same as what a person could be born with. So you have the, the um, problem of surgical error, of fallibility, the fact that even the best surgeons can't create the, what most of us would want. 
And are we going to be okay with what they can create without having remorse? Um, I mean, these are really big questions that anybody that's going to surgery has, has to ask, even if they're not um, having gender affirming surgery. And even the word gender affirming surgery goes, supports those binary notions of conflating the two. Um, I have a trans woman friend that loves her penis. Um, she's married to a woman. She did have a gonectomy because the, just like I was sharing before, the testosterone blockers were starting to make her sick. Um, she has her hom hormones in balance so that her penis still works. And I am getting into the weeds with explicit information here for a reason. I wanted you to know that about this woman, those explicit details, because this is what she says. Whenever she has a trans woman friend come to her saying that she is ready for sex reaffirming genital surgeries, she always jokes, oh no, you're having brain surgery. Because they do not want to respect that she exists. And this all goes to what I was saying earlier in this interview. We have to all stop and pause and listen with care. Each and every one of us is valid. The person that keeps their penis going against normative society, binary notions, and the person that decides, hey, no, I need a vaginoplasty. I need this thing off of my body as fast as possible. We all need to be respecting each other. Mm -hmm. And it's sad to me to see all this conflict, even the transgender people fighting with each other, the intersex people fighting with each other. Um, there's transphobic intersex people that have attacked me. Um, it's, it's just a really sad thing when we're up against these people in power control that are deciding all this. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always the little kids that get hurt, always. And it's not just intersex kids, clearly. It's the trans kids getting hurt. When I saw that I would have been known as Tomb Tomb. And then in the 1600s, when I saw Magdalena Ventura's photo of holding that baby, fully bearded, 100% man, holding the baby with their husband behind them. Um, I, I truly meant what I said during that TED talk. I had more human rights to exist then than yeah. I do now. Um, and what's so sad is to this day, they call her the, her, even I possibly misgendered. They call that person, the bearded woman. Hmm. We don't know that when I walk out my door, nobody's misgendering me. Hmm. And I can't imagine seeing somebody like that walking around being called the bearded woman, right. unless they were happy with that. We'll, we will never know. Right. Yeah. But what we do know is that they were celebrated as a prodigy. Mm -hmm. That's far from being told you're an abomination and a curse or being told yeah. you can't exist. If we got rid of all these binary notions, it really makes me wonder how many trans kids we really would have. Would there be some huge boom with non-conforming and non-binary? Um, obviously, we won't know unless that happens. Um, obviously, true transgender people exist, and we have to respect that. 
But just because you're a little boy wanting to wear dresses and makeup and do pretty things and, and be real feminine, that doesn't mean they're in the wrong body and that doesn't mean they're trans. And some of these poor kids, I think, are being told this until they believe it. On their own, are they really? I know that on my own, I was a boy. But I was being told something else until I believed it. For 46 years, I believed it. So if they can be lied to, why the heck wouldn't it be happening to a trans kid that's going into the same binary belief system? And it, it's a very sticky situation that I'm in because I am not transphobic or in any way or form. I do believe that true, true transgender, true what we used to call transsexual exists. Um, that we have to acknowledge the fact that some people truly are in the wrong body and it's medical necessity for them to get help. And what is that age of consent? With intersex kids, they don't care. You could be in your first year of life and they're going to put you on a surgical table. And, and that's the sick irony of all of this. Why is that legal and the other isn't? Um, um, I, I really can't even answer your question clearly. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to respond to that and just provide some extra context around it. Um, and, you know, there's a phrase that you've used here in our conversation. And I know in um, a video that I watched from your site uh, of the listening with care. And so I did want to hear you talk a little more about something you brought up in that workshop that I attended where you said responsibly, including the I in the LGBTQIA plus. So could you share what that means to responsibly include the I? I have a blog that actually um, talks about this, but I think I I don't want to just read that. So the there's five real important things when an organization or even a person wants to start saying LGBTQIA. First, I wanna say, if you don't do these five things, I wish you'd just stop at LGBTQ, put a plus sign, call it a day. Because as an intersex person, when I see that I, I'm going to assume, oh my goodness, you're a safe place. You understand at least the basics I'm wearing. And I cannot tell you how many times it's just been to make the person feel good and there was no education behind it. So here's the five things. First of all, sharing about intersex genital mutilation, share about how we're medically violated and psychiatrically violated. Um, Learn, hear our stories, go out of your way to listen to TED Talks, to read books, Um, learn about us. Um, Don't just talk about us, learn about us. Learn learn the right language. the United Nations intersex fact sheet uses a language that's, that accumulatively the intersex community on the most part has agreed to. So remember that the United Nations intersex fact sheet is a very important two page, real simple thing to dip your toe into the right language. Um, it's not gonna pathologize. It's never gonna say disorder, syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's never gonna say any of that. Um, to change language, to intersex, bodily variations, intersex traits, intersex person. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things are important. Um, Even amongst my own community, you have people still holding on to that disorder, syndrome, 
um, pathological identity because that's all we're told. That's all I was told. Um, so to be gentle, even with us, if we're learning. Um, and then number two, um, guide to safe organizations. And here's a list. Interact, interconnect, intersex and faith, um, intersex campaign for equality, intersex justice project. Um, those are the ones in the United States. There's more outside that I don't want to talk forever about safe organizations. But I'm going to be quite frank with you. WPATH, to this day, they pathologize. To this day, they say disorder of sex development. That is not the standard of care for an intersex child. It's going to be a great place to go if you're a trans kid, though. So we cannot assume that what's transgender safe is going to be intersex safe. So number, number three, um, I kind of touched on this already, but don't put the eye if you're truly not including us in your discussions. Um, if I enter a place that's included the eye, I want to be able to hear. I want to be able to hear about it. I don't want to mm -hmm. hear this LGBT, 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 or even worse, LGB, and then you can barely even hear the T, but yet mm -hmm. they're including the eye and you're completely invisible. I'm like, why are you saying LGBTQIA when I'm not even present? In, I'm in the room, but not even being acknowledged. And I cannot tell you how many times that that's happened to me. I have been in the room and not even acknowledged. And I'm going to tell you that hurts. It hurts bad. So then number four, um, realize that not all intersex people are LGBTQ. Not all of us are non-binary. Um, just like an endosex person, we can be LGBTQ or non-binary, but obviously not all endosex people are going to be LGBTQ or non-binary. So the same thing happens for us intersex people. Um, some of us intersex people can be very conservative. We could be very um, Christian. We could be very binary. We can actually not even believe that this is my sex intersex. Hmm. Um, in, within my own community, I have deal with homophobia, transphobia. Um, <laughs> so sometimes that shocks people to hear. But not every intersex people, not everyone's going to want to go to the pride parade. Hmm. Um, so to listen with care. So if you're a church and you're wanting to say LGBTQIA+, and an intersex person comes through that door, don't assume they're rainbow. Listen with care. Find out if they're rainbow. Mm -hmm. um, I it's the only I, I don't want to use the word queer as a blanket, so I say rainbow. So then number five, um, if a parent comes to you, if you're adding the I, be prepared to guide them to these safe organizations. Be prepared um, to guide them to to groups. And a lot of people don't even know a group, so I'm going to offer. Um, a group. It's called um, Intersex Support for Parents, and it's on Facebook. And then for the intersex people that are listening, we have a very uh, private group called Intersex Haven that is safe. Um, it's safe even if you're questioning that you're intersex. Um, just put when you join, why? You know, I think I might be intersex and I need some guidance. Um, I love, I love, love, love. I have a passion helping transgender people discover their intersex traits. I cannot tell you how many times 
I've helped trans women discover they're actually XXY. I, I, I'm up to about five people that were assigned boys that are actually XXY. And they're like, oh my God, am I intersex? I'm like, well, you disqualified. And here's the irony of what I'm gonna tell you. XXY can sometimes be Kleinfelter syndrome. I like to say just Kleinfelter and drop the syndrome. However, you could be XXY and not have Kleinfelter. Here's the thing. If you go to an organization for Kleinfelters, they're gonna say, because of that Y chromosome, all of you are boys. Even that organization is not going to be transgender safe. And the same thing happened to me with congenital adrenal hyperplasia being 46XX. The CARES Foundation, I hope they change, but the CARES Foundation to this day will not acknowledge that we can be boys. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of either misinformation, miseducation, or outright blatant transphobia, even with these organizations. Um, so it, it's, it's a mess. When you add the I, it really is a responsibility. Yeah. And I, so it's not something that you want to do just because you want to be inclusive, because to be truly inclusive, you have to, at the very minimum, do those five things. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those. And I will link that to the show notes and as well as some of the other resources that you've shared as in the Ted talk that you gave. Um, well, I have just the last three questions to be able to wrap us up. Okay. Um, the first one is what would you say to someone listening sh who is struggling because they don't fit in the constructed gender binary? First of all, I'd like to say that you exist. You are real. You are valid. Whatever you're saying, um, um, to find others. Um, that was a critical, very important thing for me. Because if you're like I was, and I'm not saying everybody is like me, obviously not, but my story, I could say I. If you're like I was, I, I was so isolate, isolated, I didn't even realize there was this huge group of people. Um, I created Beyond the Binary Gender Nonconformist Group as a safe haven um, for anyone and everyone that's questioning um, there's even people in there learning. It's a highly moderated group that doesn't allow any um, stalking or bad behavior. Um, and to remember organizations like the Trevor Project or PFLAG. Um, PFLAG is amazing. They've had me talk at two conventions now because they are very responsible in how they mm -hmm. deal with intersex. At this time, they still stop at Q and I honor that. LGBTQ for PFLAG, but they, they have understood about intersex so profoundly so that I've literally have gone to two conventions to educate. Um, all these groups are very important. Um, start having conversations with safe people. Realize that not everybody's going to be safe and don't mm -hmm. take it personally, especially if you have suicidal ideation. Um, to remember that this is cultural dysphoria, not just your dysphoria, that you're dealing with a world that was lied to. It wasn't just you that was lied to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's what I would tell them. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's really, that's really beautiful. And thank you for, for taking the time to share that. Um, well, you've said a little bit about this, but I wanted to give you an opportunity for where people can find you 
on social media and stay up to date on your work to share anything there? Um, right now, I'm most active on my Facebook public figure page, but I have an answer, Instagram and Twitter, and it's at Anunnaki Ray. And then, of course, my blog, um, AnunnakiRay.com. Um, I'm not as active now that I'm a three-year student for my Master's of Divinity, um, but I'm I'm still want to keep that education just constantly going. Um, I'm constantly sharing um, the work of others. I'm a bridge builder. Um, this is definitely a together we are stronger thing. And I have a rainbow human rights community page where I share everything. I joke. It's not even a joke. I shouldn't say joke. I say LGBTQIAPNDX plus, 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 because it's gotten to the point where it's just, there's so many of us. And I make that obnoxious acronym list on that page to show that this is a safe space. And I do go out of my way to share everything. And I tell you, that's a full-time job in itself. Yes, I imagine. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely add all that in the show notes as well. Um, So Anunnaki, what is your hope for intersex people in the United States and globally? That no child, and it's going to make me cry. And it's not just intersex kids, that no child should be assigned wrong and not honored for who they are. And absolutely end all these non-consenting cosmetic, non-medically unnecessary surgeries. They are not needed to just stop this and Mm -hmm. to realize that, that for the ones that are justifying are being aborted, to realize that it's not going to be the end of the world having an intersex kid, to realize that even that could be a lie, that that were too much to handle or whatever the heck they're arguing when they try to get our, get our parents to abort us, mm-hmm. um, to educate yourself, to, to learn. Because when you do that, you start to realize, oh my God, there's actual human beings behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, it breaks my heart because we're in 2021 and we've had intersex activists going at this for decades now. And we still have these surgeries. Yeah. It's, 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 and I think what I, like I said before, I think the most profound thing is if it was up to society, it wouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go, well, of course the conservatives would still be doing it. Guess what? From my experience, that's not true. I've educated in some very, very conservative spaces and not one time after they hear our stories have they condone these surgeries? Hmm. So these, uh, it really comes down to people in power and control realizing that this is wrong. Um, well, I join you in that hope and I appreciate you sharing today. And I just want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and being vulnerable with your story, but also taking the time to educate about how to responsibly include the I and to really give more depth to why it comes with such responsibility. And I'm grateful to have connected with you and just really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I 
this is my passion saving intersex kids. It's, it's why I'm transparent. It's why I'm raw. It's why mm -hmm. I say things that, Oh my God, did he really just say that? And I'm like, yes, I did just say that it is your business until we stop. It's going to be everybody's business. I want to say thank you again to Anunnaki for being a guest. I'm so grateful for Anunnaki as a person and the work Anunnaki is doing. If you appreciated this conversation, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. I really think that little by little, person by person, we can broaden the narrative. As a reminder, the music for this season is titled Love Is by Bandy, and the full song will close out the episode. You can stream, purchase, and download Bandy's music at bandy17.bandcamp.com. I also want to thank Jordan Lukens for his help with editing and Daniel Boland for creating the episode graphic. You can access the Broadening the Narrative blog and transcripts for episodes as they become available by visiting broadeningthenarrative.blogspot.com. Come back next week for a special conversation with Black Joy advocate and liberation activist Tina Strawn. Grace and peace, friends. This isn't old to my religion. It used to be a crown on my pendant. Now I'm ten toes down, reminiscing. You were supposed to be the difference. But then when you got close to me, you flipped it and told me I'm the one who was conflicted. Keep it down, keep it hidden. Your colorful crown strictly forbidden. I'm telling you how because it's written. Pray that gay away. I used to listen and these words were like a prison. All it did was hurt and strip me of my feelings. So I straight away. You're more concerned with the image you are projecting instead of the humans you aren't protecting. It's deadly. If even one adult becomes accepting, it lessens the presence of suicide thoughts of these adolescents you're putting people on the streets and trying to flex about it this type of evil is deceiving and i'm vexed about it it shows believers and i need for you to recognize it true love is healing and i plead for you to expedite it realigning and realizing the silver lining never hypnotizing or weaponizing with false idols deeply vital we need revival to break the cycles and unite our minds over what's inside and makes love up our bios love is kind prunes of fear keeps me in mind never fails fearlessly written into me and i am sending him shamefully i pretend to be pleased with an antonym of me cease with the anti-inner me claiming this was invented no it's a form of violence only made worse by my silence centering my worth on your sirens my wiring is beautiful non-binary yeah you're beautiful queer trans yeah yeah you're beautiful enough with the self-hate and raise a ladder if you can't relate it takes a lot of strength to decimate imputed shame and all the pain we breaking chains and bringing chains living to refrain from giving into oppressive Savior teaching us that we should love our neighbor. To love our neighbor, we would have to learn to love ourselves. But if we shelf immutable pieces of our framework, then can we say that we really know how to do it well? Realigning and realizing the silver lining, never hypnotizing or weaponizing with false idols. Deeply vital, we need revival to break the cycles and unite our minds over what's inside and makes love more violence. Love is kind, prunes of fear keeps me in mind, never Give me hope, give me sunshine, from the east to the west side. Give me peace, give me rest, I wanna go down to the wayside. You are found as a place, ten toes down, you are Give me hope, give me sunshine, from the east to the west side. Give me peace, give me rest, I wanna go down to the wayside. You are found as a place, ten toes down, you are not erased. Love is patient, love is kind, prone to fear keeps me in mind, never Love is patient, love is kind, prone to fear keeps me in mind.